Welcome to the Resilient Rainer, the premier podcast focused on mental performance for equestrians and improved horse show performance. Whether you're a rookie rainer or a seasoned competitor, this show is for riders who want to take their skills to the next level and achieve their full potential in the show ring. I'm Nicole Burnett, and I'm a master mindset coach who's obsessed with helping you achieve all those horse dreams you always thought were impossible. Join me each week to develop a show-ready mindset and gain the competitive edge you need to compete with confidence. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the Resilient Rainer podcast. I'm Nicole Burnett, your host, and I am so thrilled for this episode to welcome as co-host guest, Abraham Burnett the man of mystery behind the scenes for a lot of the Resilient Rainer community. And today we are going to have a conversation and just chat about some uh, healthy, unhealthy ways that people cope with pre-performance anxiety and nerves at shows. And we're just living. Or just living. (laughs) But really what we want to talk about is that one hot button specific issue of when you go to a horse show, should you or should you not drink before a run? And we're just going to take the bull by the horns because that's the only way that we know how to roll. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) is just just go for it so that's what we want to get into today what is appealing about it what's not appealing about it is it helpful is it harmful is it the best way to handle some nerves and how does it impact your performance so that's what we're going to get into today stick around and join us and when you're done go ahead and share this with a friend share this with an enemy and uh, scroll down and leave a five-star review and a comment of something that piqued your interest in this episode. So thanks for joining us. So Abe, tell me, have you ever drank alcohol before? (laughs) (laughs) That's rhetorical, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Um, Well, why, yes, yes, I have. Um, Yeah, you know, like, I mean, I was actually raised Mormon, you know, so... Uh, that can actually kind of like lead to some problems if you're raised in an orthodox kind of like, uh, dogmatic household that is, uh, virulent, virulently anti-alcohol, um, because, you know, it's kind of like any kind of restriction like that over time kind of builds up. And then if you ever get access to it, then you're like, all I want to do is watch TV, eat candy and drink, you know? So, um, you know, and it can kind of cause some identity issues too. Like when you, if you, as I did, left the church, left the Mormon church, um, then, you know, it can kind of uh, get associated with, um, it's a nice kind of like a recognition that I am not doing that anymore. And so that's kind of like a main sticking point between that religion and the rest of the world. So I was raised Catholic for the record and Catholics have no problem at all with alcohol. So that's why yeah. you don't have a problem with alcohol. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think that that's, uh, kind of, that's the kind of the foundation of the issues that I've had with it. Um, as well as actually just for years when I started drinking, I didn't have any issues. Um, so I kind of felt immune to these so-called 
Um, negative impacts? Well, I wasn't immune to the negative impacts, but like, um, I also didn't think of myself as a performer or a competitor. Um, you know, and when you're 20 mm -hmm. years old, you can get drunk and be sober in like an hour. So it's fine. 20 year old bodies are highly resilient. <laughs> yeah. So to life. Um, it's but you know, like that kind of sets you up for like not being super ready for your uh, 30s and 40s when your body changes. Yeah. 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 And so like, and then also, I think it's just as you go along, you start thinking of yourself more as a competitor. Um, even if like me, I don't do game um, of life, huh? Yeah. I mean, just in the game of life. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't miss that opportunity. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think that it's, um, I mean, I think that the story that, um, I have around alcohol or just medicating in general, because it's not just alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, it's been, I haven't really done any hard drugs, but you know, the, uh, nicotine, you know, smoking at one time, vaping at another time, uh, smokeless tobacco, chewing tobacco, whatever. Um, you know, like those things are kind of like it's the same kind of underlying kind of attempt to avoid, um, either solve for something efficiently without kind of like it's perceived as faster. You trade money, um, and kind of maybe your well, your health, but you know, you don't have to kind of like spend the time do exercising, for example, or getting enough sleep kind of consistently night after night or eating right or meditating or, you know, it's a um, way to short circuits, practically yeah. a biological yeah. hack, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, you just pop, you pop just a pill. Just pop a pill and boom, yeah, you've achieved you know, the desired state. Just uh, chug a beer, you know. And it's kind of sad, though, because that only works for like, we're going to put works yeah. in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah, works. works in quotation yeah. marks. Carry on. Well, it, you know, yeah. it doesn't work forever. And it's, um, you know, because your your body is changing as you get older. So it's that's a moving target. But also your body is adept at, um, like, adjusting for the alcohol. So I've noticed the one thing that kind of bums me out is that if I drink kind of subsequent days in a row to kind of inebriation it takes more and more to get to that same level until where i'm like i'm literally feeling kind of ill by before <laughs> i mean i have to kind of cycle right like so i'll have to get to like kind of like i'll get to a point where i'm like god uh, that took like most of a 12 pack to go like, get there you know like yeah. so i'll have to take a well, couple days off just so i can get back to like the to reset to reset and get yeah. back to the fun no, stuff no our bodies are very adaptable and they absolutely you know, your internal circuitry changes oh, as yeah. it adapts to these chemicals that you put inside of it, whether that is nicotine, alcohol, stimulants, whatever it is, your body adapts and rewires your brain and the way everything in your body works, uh -huh. change things. You physically change things inside your body. Well, and and then when you do without them, you know, if, like, if, you've, if you've gotten kind of like, because I think that the real problem is like the cycle. Yeah. Like, so that it, the, you know, it starts out kind of relatively innocent, you know, you're getting buzzed, you're getting drunk like a time or two. And then pretty soon you're like, nice uh, cold brewski on a summer know, like, afternoon. You, you just know? maybe so, like, I mean, there are days like, you know, you, you drink a lot to where you're literally full. <laughs> you're like your main, the main thing you've consumed is just alcohol and you're full of it and you're feeling kind of sick to your stomach and you're not even kind of buzzed or drunk. And that's kind of lame. Um, and then you you have to like take some time off, but like then you get the withdrawal effects, which says your body is like, well, I've adjusted to using that. Like 
I'm used to that now. So yeah, I'm used um, to being provided yeah. that. Well, I think for me, like the things kind of came to a head, like when I had that job where I was consulting on the side, you know, so for our listeners, um, I, for about a decade, I've been a senior data scientist at my last job where I worked for about seven years. Um, in the middle of that tenure, I had a startup approach me and be like, well, do you want to work for us 10 hours a week? And that sounded like a pretty sweet gig. Um, but <laughs> it turned out to be, even though the hours were really limited and the money was really nice, um, the amount of stress that taking on just that few hours, additional hours a week yeah. was substantial. And I found myself basically just uh, all I did was sleep, eat, work. Um, I think that was basically it. Use the bathroom. But, you know, it kind of started innocently enough. It's kind of like feeling like, oh, man, I'm so stressed. I just need a drink. And then I would have a drink and then I'd have four more drinks. And then I was drinking tall boys. <laughs> and then that led to kind of spending about most of about a year and a half just permanently kind of intoxicated. Um, and the vast majority of my calories, my daily calories were coming pr probably from alcohol. Um, anyway, so that was like not super, as you can imagine, not like... Um, not sustainable. Not sustainable. Yeah. I mean, it got to a point like two where it was my favorite drinks were uh, Twisted Teas Ar 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 Twisted Teas or Arnold Palmer Spiked. And so those were loaded with sugar and caffeine on top of the alcohol. So it was really like a trifecta of kind of substances that were addictive, really. Yeah. Um, where I found myself like I knew I was in trouble long before I stopped doing them or could figure out how, but um, turns out that too, like, I don't know if it's just drinking a lot of caffeine over the years, but it made me really anxious. And so kind of the alcohol and the caffeine and the sugar, like that combination and just drinking for so long really resulted in a, a really bad spot <laughs> where it's very vulnerable for me as a, as a man, I think, because it's, uh, it feels kind of pathetic, I guess. And Pathetic is not something any man really wants to be, or I guess any person really. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> strikes me that that's probably ubiquitous. But, um, you know, we like as a man, you know, I want to be kind of like, uh, you know, strong and have my shit together, you know. And um, and so it was really humbling to be to find myself, you know, in that in that time where when I would try to not drink, I would have severe kind of withdrawal effects. Physical symptoms. Physical symptoms yeah. where I'd be like feel like I would be. Having panic attacks, which is putting it mildly, panic attacks is like the lamest label because it really doesn't doesn't do justice to the doesn't experience. do justice to the experience of how your body feels like it is freaking out, your pulse is racing, your heart is pounding, like you're shaking, you're lightheaded, you're like um, you feel incredibly uncomfortable, you feel like you're dying. I mean, to the de to the degree that actually there was a couple years there where I went to the emergency room multiple times like thinking i was dying but on paper they're like well you're you're really healthy on paper <laughs> you're fabulous <laughs> fabulous get like, out of here and go uh, home thanks okay <laughs> um but yeah so it was really uh alarming i also discovered that it it had worked for a period of time but i think it's also a mirage because when you're drunk or buzzing your your perspective on your performance on what you're doing, whatever it is, 
is is altered. It's yeah, altered. It's the so best I can describe it. it is if you've ever been the designated driver. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you've ever been the sober mm-hmm. person around someone who's drinking, yeah. they think that They're they are so, so cool. So cool. And yeah. You just could not like you're just horrified when you're the sober person. Yeah. 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 And so like and I think that that was so I look back and I'm kind of like a little horrified to imagine like how my colleagues at either job might have uh, experienced me as a colleague. Um, I'm sure that I was kind of doing mediocre at both roles. But I mean, it was just basically at the end, it just came to a head where it just doesn't last. It can't. Um, all magic, as we like to say, comes with a price. Uh, and I think that that is certainly true um, because, and, and I kind of categorically, I think that, you know, when we think about like meditation, visualization, hypnosis, um, exercise, like I don't categorize this as magic because they t- they require investment and work. Like the have results it, Josh, have be... you read no fantasy novels? Have you played no video games? Yeah. Have you read nothing like you need mana. Magic is powered from something. Yeah. Right? Something. It comes from somewhere. It and comes so from somewhere. When like, you work out, it's conjured, you but pay it's, for the yeah. results of your exercise. So I think we can absolutely classify those things as magic. Classify what things as magic? Pretty much everything. Uh, well, <laughs> what kind of narrative story are you trying to tell here? I'm, at this point, I'm just enjoying okay. talking with you. Just trolling. Okay. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. It's kind of like our phones are magic. You turn them on and they magically... You can connect to the internet. Microwave our brains. They can, like, I mean, but that's the cost, right? But you could call your mom anytime you want. Yeah. You know, okay. I mean, it's, and the same thing with like visualizing. Literally, you can change the way your brain and body mm. are structured by thinking a yeah. thought. But then how does I that mean, differ from alcohol? Like, or any substance? But isn't alcohol, you know, that's just our Well, because I was kind of category. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I guess. Like, like that, I mean, that if works we're gonna, I'm just, I'm just committing to your metaphor. Yeah, no, okay? I mean, that's a, that's I, an interesting like way of extending it. It's kind of like blood magic, right? It's, like you have to sacrifice yeah. like your firstborn to do it or something. I mean, like if that. we're gonna talk know. about this, let's bring a little, okay. you know, mirth to this conversation. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, yeah, I mean, okay. Um, well, I'm gonna say like maybe it is kind of like a, you know, Star Wars thing. The lights, the what's the the force or the what was it called? Like the Empire side? Well, um, I I know some of the pop culture references, anyway. but full disclosure, I've never seen any Star Wars movie. It's I not a, like, it's just they don't, I'm going to piss a lot of people off, they don't look that interesting. Oh, are you? They oh. just, like. Oh, no, she didn't. Oh, <laughs> it's oh not, take it's, it back. It's just about, they don't, oh like, God. they're not captivating to me. What? Well, okay, the new ones, yes, but like I mean, the classics. I would are watch like, them once only to spend time with you. Oh my gosh, and that makes me like be like, yeah, that's it. I don't want to spend my only to spend time with you tokens on that. <laughs> um, but I will say that the classic Star Wars movies okay. before Jar Jar Binks and all that, like, and even more recently, like I don't know, it's just not quite the same. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, so I think that it, okay, so I'll, I'll buy that metaphor. But I think that also one yeah. of the big differences is that the way that you pay for the effects of, say, exercise or um, eating right or getting enough sleep, like, like it, there's more work there. Like, you oh, have to absolutely. do stuff. Yeah. Like, even visualization, it doesn't work if you do it once. 
Nope, you got to do it over and over. It's kind of like it's it like, can be a pain in the ass. You can't do lift weights for one session and expect that that will make you strong forever. Muscles right? from Prime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Muscles by Amazon. Yeah, um, but like, so I think that that's a very, for me, very big difference between that and like medicating things. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, actually, like, I can kind of sympathize with um, <laughs> a lot of folks. Just because not only have I had, you know, the spectrum of alcohol and nicotine, all the kinds of nicotine, um, by the way, never vape. It's incredibly addicting. But I've also experienced kind of like in my early 20s being diagnosed with like general anxiety disorder, uh, social anxiety um, and depression. And so, you know, for years I took a full boat of um, those medications um, maximum dosages to where like I'd have vertigo and occasionally my hands would spasm and I just drop things. Um, and you know, coming off of those, cause at some point, you know, like they work initially, but again, it's kind of like alcohol. And I think this is really like kind of a theme for me is <laughs> just that if you're like, I think we're all athletes. And I think that that's really the problem is just that, a lot of us don't think of ourselves as athletes because maybe in the horse world, you know, you go to a show maybe once a week if you're doing shows frequently or maybe once a month. And so you're like, ah, you know, like I'm not an athlete. Like, well, and a lot of people just, just think, oh, the know, horse is, you know, exercising so athlete. much harder than me. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, may be true. But. Oh, yeah. But it's but it's kind of like, well, similarly, like we don't let people nothing. drive cars when they're um just because they have a car that has in an alter state. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah. So, I mean, you could look at the horse as kind of like, well, it's, but it's not even as autopilot, right? Because the horse takes input, right? You have to cue oh, yeah. it. You it's to... much more of like a plane metaphor where I think of like, like if you think of the horse as like the plane. Oh. And so, of course, you want your vehicle in tip top condition. We need the horse in tip top shape. Your plane needs to be sparkling and the mechanics have given it the once over so that's important we're not saying that that's not important we're saying that you as the pilot Mm -hmm. you know as the rider you've got to be in tip-top shape too well yeah because like even because you're flying that plane plane can autopilot quote-unquote at a cruising altitude with very restrictive parameters yeah the pilot still takes it off and still lands the darn thing and so you wouldn't want to be in an airplane with a pilot who spent the entire middle leg of the flight getting trashed. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so, I mean, I think that that's really kind of like what I've experienced over and over again is I seek, um, personally, I look look at these kind of like medicated ways of operating, be it anxiety medications or, I mean, I just lost track of of myself, of who I was. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, like they were really expensive if I didn't have insurance or if I couldn't get the sliding scale stuff. And so at some point, I just realized I wanted to know who I was more than um, I wanted to be on those medications. Um, And, you know, like I also know, like, (laughs) there are people who need to stay on those medications. So don't take this as me being like everybody needs to get off medications because there they are certainly there's there are certain folks who really need to be on them kind of more or less all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. But for me, it worked. But then I kept kind of looking for another silver bullet throughout life because that was in my early 20s. And then I. Life can be and hard. Alcohol really wasn't the problem then, uh, nor was nicotine. But I've kind of seen myself be like, well, maybe this will work. Let's right? try something new. Let's try something new. <laughs> That's right. You know, and so like, uh, but just as I've gotten into my mid-40s and we've got three little kids, a real kind of like 
awakening moment for me was uh one breaking my ankle and i think that was that was uh in my mind certainly associated with the amount that i was drinking at the time because one when you drink that much alcohol for that long it makes your bones weak um so you're more likely to break bones um i was also buzzing at that time and so you know falls that you have when you're buzzing you're not going to be as coordinated and your body can't you know protect itself as well mm -hmm. um and so it's a safety hazard but also it was pretty embarrassing for me i remember one time i was at home and nicole had taken the kids with her to an arena where there was a playground nearby and um getting a call so i got a call saying like um as veda has probably broken her arm and needs to go to the doctor and i could hear her crying in the background and i had stayed at home working and drinking and i was a no fit state to take anybody anywhere um but my daughter needed me and yeah she was playing on the playground and just yeah, she was trying to do a so quote unquote penny drop she was just playing on the <laughs> somebody showed her some weird uh, way to flip around the monkey bars and so she tried yeah, it and playing, slipped off, off the monkey bars snapped her snapped her arm um but yeah, that was like that was really humbling. And so I think that like the further I go along, the more I'm kind of like I I still like to drink. I like I enjoy that feeling of the exhilaration is really what I I get out of it, just feeling kind of like um disconnected. It's the unhealthy way of disconnecting from your emotions versus, you know, meditating or visualizing or self-hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Um but just kind of feeling like that a dissociation. Like, you know, like sometimes having a lot of emotions, you can feel like you're kind of like just in this maelstrom of just stuff flying around you. And it's just can be scary and alarming and you're just, it can be overwhelming. And so, you know, alcohol can kind of, <laughs> it feels like in that moment for a while, like it just smooths like the ocean, yeah. like calms the ocean. Roughs like, out the boom, edges. Roughs off the edges. Like you feel kind of like, you got this, you know, things are okay. Everything's going to be fine. But then, you know, those are those moments like when you had a call, like come <laughs> take your daughter to I need the you doctor. To be a, a grown up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Right now. Some, some high level adulting yeah. right now. Yeah. Like you need to step up and be an adult yeah. and you can't just make yourself sober instantly. Like maybe someday we'll have another drug that will make you be able to take to get instantly sober. Who knows? But I'm sure that one would come with downsides too. Um, but yeah, like, so I think that, I don't know, like the theme for me really is just looking at when I kind of my perspective on myself as I don't compete in anything. Um, well, I guess I do just in kind of the general game of life, but <laughs> I don't do any kind of sports or hobbies competitively. But I just kind of look at that the further we go along, the less I can kind of find good, quote unquote, good times to drink. Um, you know, like, <laughs> cause you know, if you go out to go out to dinner, right? Like, uh, we live in Utah and Utah is very strict anti-DUI laws. Like, I think you're all right if you have one, but if you have more than one, then you're over the legal limit mo in most cases. But we know like research has shown that when you have one, you have another. You will, you're much more likely to have another. And then when you have another, you're much more likely to have another. And, and then I just see kind of constantly that. Um, yeah, it just feels like there are so many costs associated with it that I've oftentimes likened it to packing a lot of fun into like four hours. So like whatever, when you're drinking, you're buzzing, 
like maybe like a few hours, maybe even a whole day might be pretty fun, but you're going to pay for it. And you might pay for it for four days or a week where you're irritable, you don't feel great, um, you're tired, you know. So like, yeah, like you just pack all of the experience you could have had over more multiple days into like you compressed it, but you have to still have to pay the piper. Like anyway, so they, but then I look at people just performing and I see kind of like how. You know, like the reason why they say, I mean, you know, the government's not just trying to be a buzzkill when they say, like, don't drink and drive. I mean, it's like. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's all the things people know about, like, um, delayed reaction time, right? Yeah. Like poor judgment. And so it's just weird to me that. Uh, and, I, you know, we don't really I don't really think we see it in like other professional sports. I don't I don't observe like any. <laughs> certainly not when they're trying to play games. Right, like footballs, basketball, baseball. I don't even know if baseball allows like nicotine anymore. I think it's gum that like the people are chewing and spitting with. But it just strikes me that it's just weird that for a sport that is every bit as athletic and uh, dangerous, maybe even more dangerous than some of these other sports. Um, it seems kind of anecdotally like a lot of folks like to drink before runs drink at the show you know like and i think that's also like we've mentioned this before because we've, we've talked about this in like a newsletter i think but it's not that we're anti-alcohol it's more like the purpose of this is just kind of like to as an open forum just to our own humanity yeah. on the topic but well, also just, just i think it's just really bringing awareness yeah. to it's just like shining a light on it because we're not saying don't ever have a drink. If you're yeah. at Fourth of July cookout, we're not saying you know or even celebrating. Don't have a beer. Don't. You know, like yeah, exactly. Celebrating your accomplishments at the show, you know, like yeah. But it's just about shining a light on this is what you think it's doing. Let's let's be real clear about the what the science says is actually happening in your body. Well, and I think probably and, honestly, like I suspect a lot of people and in your life know. But it's just kind of like the dirty secret. It's kind of like it's, we'd rather it was, different. you know, like it's just the it's because yeah. you know, like a lot of people. From what I can see, a lot of people at the show are, you know, look like they're operating with a few in them, but like or doing their best to operate anyway. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but like they don't. Nobody goes around like there's no like kind of. It's not like a kegger where everybody's like doing like keg stands and like dancing around the <laughs> fire or something like that. You know. Oh my gosh. Um, so it's all like it all seems very low key. Like people yeah. are like doing it in like the bathroom. They're kind of like discreetly getting out their flask. Uh, I don't know. Like maybe slamming one or two in their their tack room. Like I don't know. But um, where everybody's kind of doing it, but nobody wants to be upfront about it um and so i feel like that that is probably i think from our perspective until you try to kind of change that conversation and make it bring it out in the open then you can't change anything right you can't change the culture to being kind of like hey we are athletes it's not just our horses yeah right like um <laughs> you know because we actually still have to do things like if you yep. if you could just if someone could strap you on your horse tie you down and then your horse could win for you okay then like why not right like <laughs> drink up but you know you still have to cue the horse right like horses as we've covered in other newsletters and podcasts like are very often like a mirror of your own kind of emotional state and so I don't i'm know, gonna like, interrupt you here for a minute okay, because we'll be 
partly getting a little derailed. I'm trying to do just let you share your oh, experience. Yeah. But I'm man, I'm um, just a talker and a half. Yes, you are. <laughs> and but I was just gonna point out for our podcast listeners that in addition to the podcast. We have a newsletter, the Resilient Rainer newsletter, where we talk about these things in a written format as well. Yeah, so mental performance. The, yeah, mental performance topics. And so the topics between the podcast and the newsletter are not always the same week to week. They're usually not. Yeah, they can um, be adjacent. But it's all mental performance. So this is great because we love to have things for people to be able to listen to, really kind of get into the, you know, more nuance with different topics. Um, you know, you can listen to it when you clean stalls, when you're driving to a show. And the written format is also really wonderful as well. So yeah. if you're my dad, you might read the <laughs> newsletter while driving to the show. <laughs> Please don't do that. Please do Seriously, not, growing up, my dad would read, right? Because he has some weird issue with falling asleep basically whenever he drives anywhere like he can sleep oh. get the best night's sleep but again i I don't think it's like uh anti-alcohol i mean i do think that it is kind of a bummer because for years we've always i think probably partly what keeps us all doing it is that we believe that there is some some amount of alcohol kind of consumption that's good for us like Oh, yeah. A glass or two of wine or it's a couple beers or whatever. But no, I think that that that's it, that there's a lot of belief that when you're not trying to get drunk at a show, but if you have, you know, probably a couple beers, just take the edge you off. know, yeah, a shot you or know. two. The, exactly. Because yeah. the, the idea is the idea is really that it will there's take you back to your baseline. So it's that you're normally, let's say you're operating, let's call it a zero. And then at the show, you get amped up to oh, like a three, a five, whatever. Yeah. And so you're using, because alcohol is huh. a depressant, you, you know, depending on how amped yeah. up you are, you need one shot, two shots, bring yourself back down to your baseline. I see. And so that's, that's the idea. So the question that would be, is that effective? And so exactly. And that's the question. Is that effective? Because we know that alcohol messes with your sense of balance. It messes with your reaction time. Because well, like, because I hear you saying like it, it may bring kind of like your, I'm not even sure it brings your heart rate down actually. Like, because my heart rate on alcohol is usually like pounding. It feels like it's pounding harder. Yeah. Um, and so it feels like it's an emotional suppressant, but not necessarily a physical suppressant. Well, if you're drinking, I would say, you know, riding is physical. So if you're oh, drinking yeah, when you're exercising, it does give you a faster heart rate. Yeah. So, so, so. yeah. So you're, you're actually going to have a faster heart rate, but you get that emotional disconnect from the alcohol. So in some yeah. sense, it kind of makes, it gives you're you numbing. the illusion, the numbing of like back to zero, but you get like this. But you can't avoid, like, the slow reflexes. Like, yeah. I, you know, do you mind if I tell me the anecdote about you a couple years ago? I have so many. I have an entire lifetime of anecdotes about me. So I don't know which ones you're about to share. Well, was, please, well, anyway, please there share. Was, there was one show where Nicole had been doing, having, like, just a stellar show season and was, like, in the running in the championship. And I remember going to the show and uh, her writing was <laughs> off. Like, just visibly off. Like, um, she looked a little bit kind of like a little vacant, I guess is how I'd describe it. Kind of like just a little bit kind of loose. Um, and it was like I was just kind of like watching because her, you know, as you as you might expect that. It was atypical. Her, yeah, her, it was atypical. And she reflected it. Um, it wasn't terrible, but it, it was yeah. not, you know, not well, the best. It, it was definitely, yeah. I mean, she still managed to come in like third. Second. Second. 
Okay. But anyway, like she, in my opinion, she could have won the thing. But like, anyway, like I asked her afterward, I was like, yeah, like what was, did you by any chance have a couple, like a beer? Like, um, and she's like, she's like, why? Because, you know, Nicole has a, you know, <laughs> has a lifetime of skill at defensiveness. Um, yes. 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 <laughs> Defensiveness is a superpower. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. She's gotten way better. Like, I mean, there was a time when, you know, that would have brought, just saying what I just said would have brought out big guns. So, I mean, look at how calm she is. Like, you can't see this, but I'm so calm. <laughs> so calm. I was telling people <laughs> earlier today, actually, that um, this is a good opportunity to practice what I preach, yeah. but that one of the unexpected side benefits of all of the mental performance coaching um, that I've done on myself is that I really don't take things as personally as I used to. Yeah. Like I used to take things very personally very. <laughs> in a way yeah. that really didn't help me yeah. at all. It was, it really hindered my personal relationships, mm-hmm. just getting through life. And now it's, yeah. I don't know. I just, I think things yeah. just roll off my back so much more. Yeah, I agree. It's it's so. It's, and, I mean, it's you know, really it's been like profoundly, even, uh, yeah, uh, beneficial for your personal life. I mean, no, it really has. That was like honestly, I started all this because I wanted to win more at shows, and then it gave me a better personal life, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is great. Yeah. But it's it's just that a lot of these things, yeah, they just they do they roll off me a lot more, and it's kind of like yeah, I mean, yeah, I had a, yeah. I had a couple beers yeah. at that show. Oh, yeah, because it was and like it, atypical. But yeah, she yeah. was just really kind of. I like, was shocked that you she could was, tell. Well, yeah, because she she was clearly like just astonished that because she, I think that she had the very normal thing that people do when they feel like they've taken the edge off. It's like that feeling kind of like they're like they're kind of riding know. a little high. Nobody's you know, like, gonna know. Yeah, no one's gonna know. Like, Nobody's gonna. How and, would they know? <laughs> and actually, kind of in retrospect, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to think about like how many family functions. Like we used to go, like well, I used to go to at least, like having had at least a few just to kind of like, I don't know, tolerate attend the family, attend function. the family fun- <laughs> functions and kind of deluding myself that they can't tell, right? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, oh, well, maybe they can smell a little something on my breath, you know, like, but you know, my behavior, I mean, that's just going to be like, you know, totally on the DL. But yeah, it was really like pretty obvious to me. Um, and so I think that that's just, I don't know. That one, that one, that did really surprise me that you noticed a difference in my writing. Yeah. That, that definitely, like, I was surprised because for this particular run that I'm thinking of, I think I got a 69 and a half in my reigning run. So it wasn't a terrible score, no. but it wasn't a great score. And, you know, I always have things that I can pick apart about my writing. Like, I think we all do. And mm-hmm. like I said, I knew it wasn't my best run, but it, it did really shock me that you were able to pick up so clearly on, hey, you're not writing the same. I think, you know, yeah. Well, I think that, it's, that really like, I don't know, that really caught my attention. Yeah, I think it it changes it. Well, like because it it kind of acts as like a like a insulator or kind of like a how would you describe that effect of i think the effect you're describing is um the fact that when we live in a society most people don't go up and be like hey your your writing is off like did you have a few like you know you're kind of like one of for abe and i we have a very open and honest relationship yeah and so you know it's totally normal for us you know for abe to do something like that and it you know, to be like, hey, you're kind of writing a little bit like shit. Like, I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah, I wouldn't but, be that mean. 
<laughs> I, you know, but just, you know, let's put it politely more, but like, yeah. hey, I noticed that your writing was a little bit off, yeah. you know, it's like, did you have something? Would you like to explore that? Like what was different about this run that was, you know, your performance wasn't up to par? It wasn't up well, to I mean, standard? I don't even think I did that. No, I'm just saying in a very oh. nice way. Oh, but yeah, I'm just yeah. saying oh, like, you're, not, you're saying I'm, nobody does that. I'm saying nobody yeah. does that. Nobody yeah. says hey, your writing is off and they don't either give it to you in a like abrasive fashion or a very touchy-feely coaching fashion, but nobody's doing that. They're not saying, hey, your writing is a little off. Do you think this is one of the reasons? It just really gets swept under the rug as you're at a show, you know, your nerves are high. You're probably just not going to ride as good as you do at home. You better spend some more money and ride at more shows. And then also you throw in there the fact that you know, any sort of medicating self or prescribed is very accepted at shows. Like, you know, I mean, nobody wants to get drunk, but like, yeah, if you have a beer, whatever. And so it's, it's not really part of the conversation of, do you think that this is impacting your performance? Yeah. But I mean, it just looks like it essentially messes up all your carefully tuned, like my, um, one of my personal favorites, you're going to over, you're probably going to over cue. You're going to. Well, I'm going to interrupt oh, yeah. you. One of my personal favorites was that Abe and I were talking about this. Um, and Abe, you know, is very kind of, this is just who he is. I don't know how to describe this. <laughs> but he was like, well, if you're going to drink at shows, I think you should probably practice while you're also drinking. Yeah, yeah. And it's very like tongue in cheek, but yeah. it was really, what we it's always really say hilarious is like practice because, like you're gonna show. because it's all part of, we have a very meticulous preparation, right? You shouldn't be changing out your bit at shows. Yeah. You shouldn't even be changing out your pants or your boots or your cinch. Like everything should be the same so that you don't have unexpected surprises. You know, all of your cueing should be the same. All of your equipment, everything you do at shows should already be practiced at home so it's if you wouldn't go to a show and then just totally switch out your bit change up something you know grab a different pair of spurs like the other thing is you might think that we work so hard for example a lot of people will override or underwrite at shows right they get the high pressure and they accidentally you know Mm -hmm. they don't mean to but they end up jabbing their horse when they're cueing and you know leads all sorts of reactions from your horse because your horse goes that was really rude what the heck was that (laughs) um but we don't realize that if you if you drink, you're altering yourself. You're altering your ability to perceive the cues that you're giving your horse. Yeah. And so I would expect that you would cue differently. And your timing will be and off. And your timing will be yeah. off. Well, and because so, you can't necessarily process your well, run. Yeah, you're not perceiving your, your, your own body in, in the same way. Not interpreting all the visual stimuli and processing yeah. at the same speed. And so it's just an undermining of the careful, meticulous preparation in so many ways to change something at the last minute. Yeah. Well, and I think that's so it's really is like, even though I said it tongue in cheek, like I really do kind of mean it seriously. Like if your thing is to, you know, have one or two or whatever it is before a show, then you probably I would recommend practicing that way just because you need to learn to perform in whatever state you intend to show. Right. Yeah. And so, I, but I also think too, like we've said it before, is like really one of our fundamental concepts is don't change anything at the show. Yeah. A lot of people do though. And this might kind of be shocking, but like a lot of people will have like a show outfit or they might even try a new bit. 
at the show. Like, well, <laughs> the bigger point is practice like you show. Yeah. Keep things the same. Don't throw yourself curveballs because curveballs are tricky. And well, you up the yeah. level of difficulty. And why would you do that on purpose when it's hard enough? So, yeah. and, you know, Ames bringing up the point of even show outfits, because yeah. that's something that from a mental perspective, you know, would absolutely encourage people to practice in their show outfits, practice in your show pad, practice in your shops, practice in your starched button up shirt, mm-hmm. practice, you know, with your hair done up under your hat, because yeah. all of these things are things that will niggle at you the day of show and like wear away your mental ability to focus yeah. because it's going to bother you because all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, what if my hat falls off? I haven't prepared for this. Is it the right size? Should I put duct tape inside my hat? Do I need to bobby pin it? <laughs> I, you, you act like these aren't real things. These are real <laughs> things, okay? Duct tape in the hat and bobby pinning it down is like, okay. apparently you didn't know the behind the curtain <laughs> secrets, okay? That's really funny. <laughs> the ends that you the, folks will yeah, go to but sometimes. Keep, yeah. like, but how distracting is it on show day yeah. to be wandering around trying to buy duct tape instead of <laughs> focusing <laughs> on your tape. performance? Okay. Tape. I mean, like, doesn't I, that like hurt to get off? I, I won't personally do it, but I've seen multiple people do this. Okay. That sounds painful. It sounds painful. Yeah. My skin is too delicate. Yeah. Okay. Those are, they What's were. What's next? Bolting it to your head? You know, like. <sighs> Probably. Um, (laughs) You know, you can get one of those 3M command strips and just like, you know, (laughs) it sounds painful, but would it stay? Probably, yeah. Um, But how distracting is that during the day of? Or if you haven't figured out, you know, with your shops, like what jeans are you wearing under it? Because different pairs of jeans, particularly for the ladies, you have different denim weights, you have different inseams, you have different, it has to interplay with your shops. If you haven't dialed that in and ridden in it, it is so distracting. Hmm. And, you know, and that's before you throw in any level of sensory sensitivity, right? Which I think a lot of people have, you know, some level of something like that. And you've got like, oh my gosh, I thought these jeans were fine, but they're bunching in in the knee and oh, yeah. oh the, this, the inseam doesn't match and i yeah. thought it would be fine but it's either it's too long it's too short it's yeah. you know there's so they're many distracted. you're yeah. so distracted yeah. by just the trappings of your performance and yeah. so it's so important to prepare like you're going to show and so that means yes you drag all of your shit to the barn and you practice in it well and i think that you know so for all those who are skeptical out there the way you the way you know that we're what we say is for real, like I guarantee you, the first time you do this, you will feel to some degree the same feelings you feel at the show, and that's like, wonderful because you're you're bringing all you're of bringing that, all your baggage that, is, that baggage those those associations with like yeah. oh this is a shirt I only wear at the show or this is a the shaps or whatever it is that I only wear at the show and it's just going to be profoundly shocking to you. But to experience that when you're just at a lesson or just practicing. So we're going to, I don't want to talk too much about that. No, no, it's a great topic. I just feel like it's an, it's entire own podcast. And so refresh of that. Yeah. So that's kind of, just think of that as teaser. If you're interested in an entire podcast, share in the comments that you want that podcast because it's, it's a fun one to really dive into how many ways can you prepare like you show, because there's so many ways that, just our energy gets zapped and distracted. Yeah. But the main point for this podcast is just that one of the ways that we are blind to mm-hmm. is that if you don't practice at home 
riding tipsy regularly. Yeah. You, when you go to the show and you yeah, have a couple. That's a substantial change. It's a, yeah, it's a major change. Yeah. Well, and it's like trying to talk to your horse with your mouth stuffed with, with just having, like socks or something. Yeah. Right? It, like trying to talk with your you've mouth You've muffled it. You've muffled yeah. your communication yeah. in a way that will have an impact. And maybe it's not a major difference, but it will absolutely impact your performance yeah. and knock you down in the placings and your scorings. Yeah. Well, and a lot of like, a lot of times, like I think, one of the main things that separates like the top level from like the rest is that they've learned through using mental performance techniques, healthier ways of dealing with their feelings. Right. Oh yeah. Because, because for example, like, you know, if you have like, well, do you want to interject? I do, but I know we both do. Yeah. But I think that's, that's a big thing is that people sometimes think that they are unique Oh, yeah. They're the only ones who are nervous that there's hundreds of people at this horse show, but only they, you know, the bottom five, right, are struggling. They are special snowflakes with these feelings yeah. and that they're the only ones who are worried about judgment, who are worried about, you know, how they're going to handle the pressure because they want to do they care. You know, they mm-hmm. want to do a good job. Oh, yeah. And That's so great. they're like, oh, my gosh, I've worked all year to get here. I'm so invested. We spent so much time, so much money, mm-hmm. and they want to do a good job. And those are wonderful, admirable feelings. But then they think they're the only person who has those instead mm-hmm. of that. Everybody has those feelings. Yeah. Literally everybody. You're not special. Believe it or not, this is supposed to be encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> this is sometimes <laughs> Nicole's brand of encouraging can be a little uh, pointed. <laughs> just, you know, yeah, just pointed. But no, we're going to be real on the nose here. Yeah. You're not special. And the difference is how do you deal well, with that? Well, at least not special in that way. Not special in that way. Everybody yeah. is unique what, and special. What can make you special, though, I think, is, is how, how you handle it. How you handle that. Because everybody has those yeah. feelings. But what do you do with them? Yeah. How really do you like manage the, them? The average... Yeah, because I think that really what it is is like Nicole said about like just how when she like adopted these techniques and learned to like master them and apply them in her home own life and writing, well, how how it impacted her her There's life just as a, a whole ripple effect. Like to every I think that aspect. that's really like the um, kind of like the bottom line is just that you you really have to like adopt these things and not just well hundred percent adopt yeah. them. It's wholehearted yeah, yeah, adoption. Yeah. But you yeah. you know, but in terms of like I think a lot of times like people that. Like the top level of folks that use these things kind of as their daily bread and butter to perform yeah. at their peak, um, like <laughs> they they make it part of their kind of routine, yeah. right? Like it's as much of their routine as, I don't know, stretching, weightlifting, uh, writing, you know. Um, it's all part of the it's picture. It's all part and of it's the game for them. The, the alternative yeah. to changing up your routine to turning to having a couple drinks of the show is you train your brain. Yeah. And that that is the best, fastest way to manage, mm-hmm. you know, it's the most effective way to manage your show nerves, to manage the anxiety is to figure out how do you drill this at home? How do you, you know, build your resilience? How do you handle the the pressure? Yeah. You know, how do you handle the focus? Yeah, because I think that that's really like what we're getting at here is just that there are other ways. There are alternatives. It's kind there of like, well, if you want to, if you want to like lose weight. Like you can get your stomach stapled, right? There, there, definitely some huge downsides there, right? Some surgical risks and some like. Well, the biggest you know. downside is you can't eat as much, right? <laughs> <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> feature or yeah. flaw. I mean, yeah. let me put this in a, a different like <laughs> a metaphor diet, right? for horse people, which would be nobody really likes you know horse trainers that offer 
quick tricks, right? Because you don't want to, you know, if you put your horse in trainer or your horse in training, you don't want to go picking up and then you find out that they're so focused on getting prepped for the maturity that, you know, you can't brush under their belly because, oh, yeah. you know, they lose their shit, yeah. right? Like oh, yeah. there are some surprising holes that can pop up Oh yeah. or I don't know if that's a good example, or it could just be that I think that as horse people, we acknowledge that the ideal is that we want to do it the right way. We want to do it slow and steady and you take the time that it takes. Mm-hmm. And we don't want it to take longer, mm-hmm. but it's just that you take the time that it takes. When you start teaching them to spin, you start, get, you know, you release the pressure when they just start shifting the weight, mm-hmm. right? That's how you begin, the babyest of baby steps. And then it's one step. And then before you know it, they're mm-hmm. spinning like a top. But it's it's about doing it you know, kind of putting in the work, doing it the right way. And the basically kind of the fastest way is to go slow. And I feel like that's a really important. But this is like one. Well, I feel like that's a really important comparison because I know we've had somebody that thought that, you know, mental training that we were trying to say that this was a quick fix and like a, basically (laughs) a get rich quick scheme. You know, this is. But for horses. horses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a metaphor there. Yeah. Analogy, whatever. Yeah. Um, But that really. It's not like that. It's about working smarter. It's yeah. about working smarter. It's not about just working harder. And it's yeah. about, it's very much like training your horse where it's about, this is doing about right small way. repetitions, yeah. doing it the right way, mm-hmm. putting in the time just day after day. And so it's very similar to training your horse. You're just, yeah. you have to put yourself in a training program. Well, it reminds me too, just how like in, um, from what I've observed as the non-horsey husband, just that it looks like there's a lot of like the level four or like the kind of the top level writers, mm-hmm. like a lot of the other writers, like the lower levels, try to emulate them and look at them and be like, oh, well, I'm going to do the same things they do. But they're not really recognizing that one of the things that those top level writers like, what's his name? Tyson Durfee. Well, he's not a rainer. Well, I know he's not a rainer, but like yeah. we have a lot of non-rainers that listen to oh. our podcast. But I was just thinking about like examples like where he's like uh, best of the best, right? He's really good. Mm-hmm. Um as far as I know, but like he has kind of come out, like he's very, uh, very strict about like, you know, if you're going to be a top performer, no alcohol. Like he's like, Mm -hmm. he's like all these young kids who think that they can perform with a drink or two in their system. They got another thing coming. Um, and so I like that he's very, he's willing to kind of like, um, call it like he, like he sees it. But also I think that to me, when I think about him and I think about all these other guys like Fapani and Matt Mills and, Anybody in reigning who rides at the, at the best of the best, right? Yeah. That's a, the top 10, right? Like they're um, – I seriously doubt that they're riding with any drinks. With any them. level, yeah. With any level. And so Alcohol. if you want to emulate the best and be like them and you want to achieve that level of performance – Figure out how to perform yeah. without a drink. Yeah. System. And what you're going to want to do is do the things that they do, which is Mental look training. after their body, look after their mind. Like, yeah. Um, and so, and I get, get that's hard because like part of like why I shared all of my, my kind of background and struggles with it is because I get how hard it can be to, um, you know, like <laughs> to calm the beast in a different way. Right. Or to oh, yeah. tame the, tame the kind of the, tame the, 
No, I, I have chaos or tame the kind of like the big feelings. You've got all these big feelings and they're uncomfortable and they're difficult. And you think that because when you, you fall for the false promise of, you know, because when you are the one who's had the drink, it feels different, but you don't see it from the outside, which AKA that's the judge's perspective. Oh yeah. Whether your judge is a timer or a person. Yeah. Right. Your family, your kids, you know. Yeah. You don't see it from their perspective. Yeah. Um, but it's always like sucky, just you like know, it's so, just so crappy because, you know, like, I mean, you know, as you get older, you can't dodge the the effects, you know, like oh, yeah. just a feeling tired for days or being draggy or irritable um, or like I, I've hated it too. Even when I found like a good day, a good time to have a few and then, you know, like I get a hangover. Like, cause I'll, I'll, you know, have a few, I'll have some fun. And then like, I sober up and like, but then I've got a hangover before I go to bed. Like, it's so lame, you know, like, you're like, you know, you're, you're taking Advil by the time before you. You're like, I don't know about sleep, this. Right? It, it's just kind of like a crappy, crappy deal. Um, So, yeah, I know. Oh, oh, that was the other thing I wanted to mention too, just that I've noticed that when I drink it, it really acts as a. An, a serious obstacle to me doing a lot of things that are important. Yeah. Because in theory, you could drink, still eat a healthy, nutritious diet, still exercise. In theory. In theory. Yeah. But the problem is, like, when Anybody I drink, at least. Like, I, yeah, I think most You know, people... like, I like to, like, my ideal day, my routine, so one of the routines I have is I like to wake up and do uh, five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, kind of short squats, exercise routine. You kind of a short right exercise routine that kind of connects me with my body, makes me feel good. Um but like if I or like go and I like to go on a couple walks every day, right? Like it's nothing like crazy. But yeah. um, when I drink. Those are some one of the first things to yeah, go. Like I'm like, I'm like just I'm chilled out kind of like. They're just, you know, yeah. and, and it you just makes it hard to things. do anything. It's just those little you know? things that are those small habits that add yeah. so much to our life or mentally, physically things. and the big things. You know, because we don't maybe keep up after know? our kids need to have. Us checking their chores. They need us need to have us checking their their schoolwork. They need to. Yeah. We might have, um, you know, like the house. I've definitely noticed, like, you know, there can be some days that we just the house doesn't kind of get the attention it needs in terms of staying clean and tidy, just because like well, you just don't care as much like when you've had yeah. a, when you've had a couple or a few. So I think that that to me too is, um, or like you know, if I've had a few, could I do <laughs> dropping you know. Give me 20, you're like, sure. But, you know, you one, you don't care. Two, it doesn't feel very good because your, like, muscles are, like, kind of, like, um, buzzing. You know, I guess you could describe that feeling. But so, anyway, it's just kind of interesting just to me, just, like, how it has a lot of collateral damage. Yeah. That, you know, like, you might drink before a run or at the show thinking that you can kind of, It'll you be know, fine. N- you dial down. But physically, you're actually still, like, up there. You just are kind of, like... Um, insulated from that reality temporarily. temporarily. But then, you know, like, um, do you, are you able to come off that? Because for me, like, I've always found that, like, um, I am, <laughs> I, you know, like, I tend to kind of like slip into these habits and it can be a lot of, a lot of work to back out of them. Yeah. You so what starts habits. Is, yeah. So what's, you know, yeah, you have, bad, you bad have habits. good habits. And then if you yeah. have some drinks, That's then right. you slip into 
bad habits, bad habits that are exactly. you know not serving you, yeah. and it's difficult to walk them back because yeah. a lot of because those, it creates a lot those of those habits healthier habits are you know it's hard work. It's yeah. hard work to make sure you show up and do all your work at your job. It's hard yeah. work to make sure that you check your kids' chores and their schoolwork, yeah. and it's hard work to do. All the adult things, well, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like, actually, it just occurred to me when you are saying that, that it reminds me that a lot of times, like, I kind of dig the hole that makes me want to drink myself. <laughs> so, like, and I, so I wonder if for a lot of people, if they really looked at their whole kind of, like, we talked about this in another, in another episode about, like, logistics and, like, okay. making sure that you're kind of, like, you don't just kind of think of the show as its isolated thing, but that you kind of, oh, yeah. the show is everything kind of, like, up. You have a runway. You have a runway. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. But like, so, um, like for, you know, in personal life, that might look like, well, maybe I'm working really hard on something. And so I'm staying up really late and I'm not getting enough sleep. So I'm tired. And then that increases my stress level. Cause when you're not getting adequate sleep, like we know your the stress resilience level goes just up. takes a nose. Yeah. Down. And so like you find yourself kind of over time sleep deprived and trying to kind of like muscle through. Um, and so I wonder for how many people, if that happens at the horse show, right, where they don't adequately plan for their runway. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they show up kind of, I don't know, you, you can fill in the details here, but like haphazardly, kind of like racing into the parking lot last Pretty second, barely yeah. making their run. Like, I don't know what that, all the details might look like for, for someone in our audience, but like, I wonder how many times that is kind of like if they showed up with a better runway and a better plan, and they kind of had their kind of... Um, well, it's all part of that mental preparation yeah. of, okay, let's take a big picture, look at this. When do we need to arrive? When mm -hmm. do we need to set up? You know, all of the tasks you need to do. Okay, when do we need to pack the trailer? Let's let's map this out in yeah. reverse to yeah. alleviate stress so that when you get there, you're feeling okay. So you're, you're not, not like, feeling that yeah. stress of, you know, just overwhelm that makes you want to turn to you know, quick fix. Yeah. Well, I think too, just that one of the other things just is that it, <laughs> it occurs to me, all these things are tied together too. Like they are tied together. Cause if you can make the time to say, um, exercise, um, you know, do your mental exercises and training, right? Like if yeah. you're, if you're doing kind of a routine most days, then you're probably, that's probably also going to feed into the rest of how you compete and show. Yeah. Cause you're going to have, cause in order to, maintain a routine like that you have to be more kind of um you have to be better at managing your time anyway oh yes right like because that doesn't just happen yeah um so okay so so I'm, I'm feeling pretty good to wrap this up we're really driving at this point is that as a rider you are an athlete it's not just your horse who's out there physically performing in the arena and so in order to get the best performance, the best physical performance from yourself, from your horse, you don't want to be changing things up when it's showtime. And part of that is alcohol. And, and that's not something that a lot of people consider when they think about their showing performance and think about, you know, thinking about alcohol as bringing you back down to your baseline. And for a lot of people... Having a drink or two at a horse show seems like a fun, easy way to take the edge off. Mm -hmm. And that can be a surprising blind spot for a lot of people that it does, in fact, impact your performance. And 
you know, and so kind of bringing up that uncomfortable analogy of, have you ever been the designated driver? Because all those drunk people, all those people who've had a few, they think they're fine and normal and real funny and real clever, but from the outside, so if you're the judge in this scenario, everybody else, you can see it. Mm -hmm. And that is a very uncomfortable thought to consider. Um, And just that there is a a better way that is more reliable, and that is to take the way of... Invest in yourself. You know, and this is the way that elite writers train themselves is to not rely on something. And that is to train yourself and invest in your own mind and invest in, you know, that mental training to be able to handle, handle the pressure, handle the focus and the nerves and be able to deal with that in a way that doesn't rely on outside substances. The other really cool thing about it is that then it allows you to know that your performance is yours because it can be really demoralizing if you have a, a run that, you know, whether it goes well or poorly after you've had a drink, if it goes well, you think, oh my gosh, was that really me? Was it a fluke? Was it, mm-hmm. do I have to start drinking now before I have a good run? <laughs> That's a terrible well, thought. You probably or, will, but then you'll find that, and then you'll find that, awesome yeah, variable. and then you're exactly, and you get, you'll have a bad run, a poor run, and you'll think, oh my gosh, like I, I just didn't have the right drink. Yeah, I didn't have enough. <laughs> right. And so it, it really kind of leads into this whole, you know, unhealthy cycle. So I hope this was encouraging for you. This should be really encouraging to just know that you have the ability within you to train your brain to sign yourself up for peak performance on demand when you need it. Well, and reap the benefits for the rest of your and life. Just, and to reap the benefits for the rest of your life in and out of the saddle. So thanks for riding along. And if you haven't been a part of it, we just wrapped up today the third recording of our live sessions for the mini mental boot camp. This is awesome. It's been going over the last two weeks. We've had three live sessions with sessions focused on building confidence, turning stumbling blocks into stepping stones, and developing a champion's mindset and champion's focus so that you can perform under pressure when it counts the most. It's really awesome. I know you're going to love it and get so much out of it. We've had almost Gosh, we've had 400 people sign up to be a part of this. It's amazing. For one more week from today, you can get the replays available. This is all for free for you guys, for the community. So to sign up, to get the replays, go to NicoleBurnettCoaching.com and you can sign up. It's totally free. You can watch the replays. We've got some awesome bonuses, workbooks to go along with it. There's a private Facebook community where people can share your stories, get feedback. It's really amazing. And we'd love to have you join us. So you've got one more week where you can sign up and watch all the replays. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Next week, Monday, August 28th until Thursday, August 31st, we are opening the doors for the very first time to the exclusive group of founding members in the mental gym for equestrians. This isn't a leap of faith, guys. This is a proven process that has worked wonders for me and my one-on-one clients so you don't have to worry or wonder This is your chance to be a part of something truly special. We're taking this to the next level with a new immersive experience tailored just 
for you. So it's your time. Are you a rider who hungers to ride fearlessly, who craves to have fun riding, showing, and competing with complete confidence? All right, guys, here's the reality. If you are a rider, you know there is a direct relationship between your mental state, your horse's mental state, and your performance under saddle. Horses and humans can sync up their heart rates just by being near each other. So if you think your horse doesn't notice your racing heart and the physical impacts of your lack of confidence when you swing into the saddle, you're only fooling yourself. If you think about it, it's simple. Imagine what happens when you provide confident, assured leadership for your horse. Imagine the kind of riding you can do when you tune out the gossip and the judgment from others or from within. Imagine what it might feel like to become unshakably confident and enjoy riding your horse and making progress every ride. Introducing Nicole Burnett's Mental Gym for Equestrians. This is a live coaching experience that walks you through step-by-step building unshakable confidence and mental toughness. CART is open Monday 28th through Thursday the 31st. Mental training is the best way to stop the negative self-talk and self-sabotage and develop limitless confidence in your riding so you can ride to win. See you inside.